0: record yes wait oh let's you're see. recording fine you're let's see um yeah i'm recording now okay i hope it's actually working okay so let's begin so i'm not afraid to admit that when i began giving a uh shior when i began researching this shior and modim I kind of bit off more than I could chew. I expected to be able to cover everything that we need to cover in one shior. Turned out there's enough material here to easily span three or four shiorim, but my objective was from the beginning to the end, and therefore I got a little stuck in giving, uh, in basically giving over almost all of the content. I don't think that it'll take longer than like 50 minutes, but there's a lot to cover here in Modim, and it's a bracha which incorporates many concepts we've seen before, most notably the concept of thanksgiving and the concept of gratitude is a very important uh, concept which we delved into more in the in the, the shiur on Mizmor Toda, which is shiur number 39. We discussed the Korban Todah and all different ideas of gratitude and how gratitude pertains closely to the core of Jewish theology from Chovot HaLevavot. I figured because there's so much content here, I I wasn't going to reiterate much of what we uh, discussed back then. So whoever's curious about the theology of gratitude and thanksgiving and why it's important should reference that shiur because we spent a good 20-25 minutes on that and I thought we should probably... Uh, spend the time here on the Tefillah of modim itself. Now the Gmaran Brachot of Lamiddalid Aleph says these are called the Gimalachronot, the uh, the last uh, three uh, brachot of the Shmonas, right? Oh, I opened the Kama. of course I don't see what I what I need to see. So basically there's a general pattern in the Tfilah at least in uh, in the weekly tefillot, that we have a order of Shvach, bakasha, we have first praise, then petition, and then hoda'ah, and then comes thanksgiving, or, or a, a uh, measure of gratitude. We see this in the structure of many of the tefillot. And shewan esrei is no different. The last three are considered the section of we explained last week that even say falls into this category because it's not a tefillah, which is a petition. It's a tefillah, which is more of a supplication. We're offering our tefillah to Hashem. And so this, Brachav Modim, represents this level of thanksgiving. And the, the, the Gemara gives a mashal, it says, Domela le'evet she'kibel pras v'niftar it's like an Eved who received what he needed to receive from the petitions that he petitioned his master. He takes it, and he proceeds, and he, and he continues. Now, before we get into every word and every uh, topic here of modim, there are some associations which we generally mention, um, and with that each Barachan corresponds to either another story or it corresponds to another pasuk that the Midrashim bring down. Chana said in her me let arrogance leave your mouths. In other words, begin, through your pra- begin to praise Hashem. And that's the, the, the pasuk that, that Hana said, Chana Nadia, she said, which corresponds to this bracha and Shemona Esrei. As far as the story goes, that, uh, that the, Midrash, the Midrashim bring, the Shebolia Alekhet. many rishonim bring this, this Midrash, they bring a Midrash that says that when Shlomo HaMelech brought the Aaron, there, there's a story in the Nabi where he was trying to bring the Aaron into the Kodosh Dashim after he built the Beit HaMikdash and the doors wouldn't open. So he prayed to Hashem and he said, Al penei mishichecha. And then when they finally opened, he gave shvach and he said, Hashem, Hashem, nata minucha. So at this point, the Midrash says, the Malachi Hashret, um responded and they said, Baruch Hashem, hatov shimcha neela haodot. They concluded with the, the eulogy of our Bracha, which is, that, uh, that your name is of goodness, is is good, and to you it is pleasing to to praise. So this is a, a midrash which also car- corroborates this nusach of the, of the final uh, ending of our bracha. Now the Gemaran Megillah Da'afiul Chetam Aleph, to corroborate the order of Shmon Asrei brings the Pasuk Zevach T'odai Ha'bedeni, which tells us that after the avodah, after one brings his service, which is Ritsei, the Brahabritse, which we just spoke about last week, then comes hodaah, zevach toda yichabideini, with an offering of toda, you shall bestow honor upon me. Now, the most prominent feature of modim, besides the obvious fact that it deals with gratitude, and we thank Hashem for everything He gives us during the day, is that we bow during modim. For some reason, for some reason, Modim is known by the feature that it that we that when we when we begin modim we bow our knees down modim anach we rise for lach and at the end baruchat Hashem we we bend our knees by baruch we we, we go down by atan and then we lift ourselves by Hashem hatoshimchal l'chana na um, this is this is also well known because by Modim Dirabanan we also bow, so everybody knows Modim is is the uh, Modim is the bracha where we where we all bow. So where does this come from? Why do we bow during uh, Modim? So this comes from a, a Gemara in Brachot, also on Daf The Gemara brings a Tosef that says Elu Brachot Adam Bahen. These are the brachot which a person bows uh, in them. So it says Ba'avot that in the first bracha we bow in the beginning and the end, and also in the bracha of Hoda'a. in the language of the Gemara, the bracha of modim is called Hoda'a. Now, what is the reason for this bowing? And why is it so important that we bow? So the mikubalim, and especially Shah Kavanoti, has an entire section on how this works. They say that bowing affects what's called a hamshachat Brahot. It manages to bring down bracha, from Shemayim and it manages to draw down bracha that we deserve. So after we give all the petitions and all the bakashot in Shemona Esrei, we draw down bracha from uh, from Shemayim. And there's an interesting gemara in Baba that has Amud Aleph and Amud Bet. The gemara says, and this is well known because of a certain story over there in the gemara, that if a person doesn't bow by modim after he after he dies his spine turns into a serpent that's what it says shanim that that after seven years if a person dies his his uh, the the lower spinal spinal bone will turn into a snake and his spine will turn into a snake so the tosafot over there is clear that the Gemara. Takes bowing by modim very seriously, and that it's really important. That it's more important to bow by modim than it is to bow, for example, by the avot, by the by the first bracha and the end of the first bracha. Modim is a very important place to to bow. So Tosafot wants to know why is this true. So he says that he found a midrash, and he doesn't know the source of this midrash. He's not sure if it's a. He doesn't know if the midrash is actually a. Uh, Legitimate midrash, but we today know that this this actually comes from the Zohar in in Chelak uh, Daf Kufam Ralef. So he says that there's a midrash that says that there's an etzem, there's a bone inside the spine of a person that when the chiyat comes, the Hashem is going to recreate a person from from that bone. So let's see the the lashon of Tosavot. From that bone, Hashem is going to rebuild him in the future. It is such a, it's such a strong bone that it can't even get burnt in a fire. And if that bone turns into a serpent, that person will not be able to, to uh, experience And therefore, because the bone is gone, that person will lose his Olam Says Tosafot, no, I don't believe in this Midrash. It doesn't make any sense. Why would a person receive such a punishment? Everybody in, in B'nai Israel has a chilek in So just because a person didn't buy modim, he's supposed to lose his entire Helik and Olamabad, it doesn't make any sense, says Tosafot. So the Zohar's explanation of how this works is fairly Kabbalistic. But the gist of it is explained by the Hasidim, especially the, the, the Hasidei Chabad. And they explain that the idea is as follows. In the, in the time of Mashiach, all people will receive uh, a spiritual experience. There will be a, a time where we will not need to sustain ourselves on food. Similarly to Moshe Rabbeinu, we could sustain ourselves simply when Moshe Rabbeinu was in Shemaim, he didn't have to eat for 40 days and 40 nights. In the same way... We, when, we, uh, when Mashiach comes, there will be a time when we can completely sustain ourselves through a spiritual life force from Hashem, and Hashem's life force directly will sustain us. When we bow during Modim, we're representing that we believe and we acknowledge that Hashem's life force is the force which is sustaining us in this world. It's, it's an admission, a confession, a belief, and an acknowledgement that we understand that it's Hashem's life force, which is the ultimate giver of life, even though we might think food sustains us today, it's really Hashem's Chaim that actually gives us life. If a person doesn't have that very basic acknowledgement in this world, a person can't bring himself to do this so subtle, the subtle acknowledgement, this tiny little gesture to show that he believes Hashem is the one who gives him everything that he has in his life, that person, Lati Lava, will not be able to experience a spiritual sustenance. He won't be able to receive something like the man, something which, which can, can sustain his neshama spiritually because he, he rejected it. He rejected it in this world, and therefore what's left in him is unholiness, which is represented by an achash, and he himself won't be able to relate to that. That's the gist of how, of how this, uh, this Zohar is explained. Now, review the Ben Yakar, the Rebbe Deramban, has an entire section on bowing, and he has a beautiful uh, connection he makes. There's a lot of midrashim that he brings to connect this, and I, I can't spend too much time, on this. also the midrashim are difficult to piece together. But he builds a theory based on different midrashim that bowing, hoda'ah, and Giula are linked. In other words, that hishtachav, hishtachaviyah, the act of bowing is intrinsically uh, associated with the act of uh, thanksgiving of gratitude and he brings midrashim which say that in this zuchut of his of of um, of bowing we brought many gulot on ourselves he brings he brings different psukim by Avram Avinu, he bowed by Haram Uriah, and he received the and he received uh the beta mikdash uh B'nei Yisrael, the israel Artsa, that they bowed down and they and they and therefore they had the the privilege of leaving Mitzrayim and he says that the Midrash says that in the zochut of bowing, we will also be zocheh in the Beit HaMikdash, and we will be zocheh to bring t'chiyat HaMetim. And this is, he basically brings this from Midrashim, and therefore he says that bowing by modim is the most important, because modim represents the, modim is, he's going to, we're going to see later, Kolha hachaim yudu hasela refers to all living things, meaning even in the latid lavo, even uh, when, when there is t'chiyat HaMetim, Modim, in his view, represents T'chiat HaMetim, and it represents Olam uh, HaBa, and therefore because Modim represents Olam HaBa, we have to bow by Modim, and the bowing of Modim is the most important bowing, and one who doesn't won't see T'chiat HaMetim, because bowing is what allows us to have Giullah and the, the simple act of gratitude to Hashem, and acknowledging Hashem is powerful enough to bring us to to khiyat and to bring us to al-ulama ba and cosmodim is associated with the ulama ba therefore the bowing is very very important okay so there's also tangentially a gamaran brahota fi betamur alaf in your betamur bet that it says when ur shesheth would bow kikara kara kara ke khizra ki zaqif kaz zaqif so what does this mean it means that when Rosheshet would bow down, he would bow down like a thorn. This is The the Geonim explained that this word chizra means it's an Aramaic word, which means a certain type of thorn which is uh, hooked downwards. So he would bow his head all the way down until it even faced his body. And then when he lifted his head, it's kechizra, like a serpent. So he'd first lift his head like the way a serpent does, and then the rest of his back. The reason for this is meditative and also Kabbalistic, but uh, the Arizal has his way of, of the, there's two different ways of, of bowing and, and getting up. You'll see some Ashkenazim do it one way, they get up like a stick. You'll see Sephardim do it the way the Arizal does, which is based on this. Zakif uh, Gechizra. And whoever has their menhag, either way you do it is, is, is definitely okay. Okay, so now let's, before we look at the Nusach, let's look at the words of the uh, the door itself. You give me uh, the door, please, or any door? Thank you. So the words yeah anything. The the the, the word modima an comes from we say it every day in Vaiverh David, it's from Yamim. We say we say we we pray to Hashem this language comes directly from from Nach. That we praise to you Hashem and there's an interesting uh, gematria brought by the Rishonim. At first, I thought this was later, but actually this goes, Rokeach brings it and Abu Drahman brings it, but it goes back as far as Yehuda ben Yakar. He, he brings this pshat that modim is big 100. And what does that represent? That represents that the, the modim is as, as dear to Hashem as, as 100 barachot, and the 100 barachot bring into, uh, you know, the... The act of bowing brings down all the bracha, just like the 100 brachot bring down. And Rehuda Yakar, interestingly, he dismisses it. He says, He says, it seems that this this pshat doesn't actually have any substance. It's just a a homily, so to speak. It's not an actually real pshat, but the Rokhach doesn't agree. The Rokhach believes that this is actually misorah, and honestly, Rehuda Yakar lived in Spain, and the Rokeach lived in northern Germany, it's fascinating that both of them were aware of this misora, that Modim is gematria 100. And so the Rokeach says that the gematria of the letter Modim is 100 to tell you that it brings down all the bracha just in the same way that we say 100 brachot every day. The ma'ashem mimcha, that we bring the, the pasuk that we have to say 100 brachot every day because it brings down that, uh, that bracha. Now, let me just uh, go through a few little things here um, in in the text. This is, we say, So the Ashkenazim say, and honestly, the language of Tzurenu is a little bit later. Uh, There's Svaradi, Sidurim started putting it in. Then we have, um, I'm, I'm trying to go through it without getting too messy. I'm sorry. We have, so we say that in each generation we shall praise to you and tell over of your, of, of your praises. Al in, in our hands in our sorry in our life which is put into your hands. There's an emphasis here on Chayim in, in uh, Modim. Uh, Kabbalistically, there's there's a reason for this. Also we see at the end, the chayim that then all life should, should praise you. And in our uh, souls, which are entrusted to you, some languages are mufkadot lach, which are also a similar, just grammatical difference. And with our, the nisim, which in every day are with you, are with us, I'm sorry, and in the wonders and the, good, and the goodnesses, which, which are with us at all times, more, uh, evening, morning, and afternoon, this com- language comes from the, from the psukim, the one who is good for his mercy has not depleted, the merciful one whose chasadim uh, never ends, for forever we have hoped to you. Now, we'll discuss every element that, that I could. I will, I'll try, Bezat Hashem, to get to as, as many different elements here as we can. Uh, first of all, there's a, there's, this, there's a difference between a nes, a pele, and a mofet. A nes is generally a, a miracle which is done in order to send a message and to, to show us Hashem's Hashgaha Pratit. A pele is when, um, if I remember correctly, mofet, pele is when nature is something completely new is created out of nature. Uh, for example, the man would be considered a pele, and a mofet is when you have nature which is reversed. So for example, if uh, Hashem made a river run the wrong direction, that would be called a mofet, where you have nature, something that already exists, but it reverses. A pele is more a miracle where something that didn't exist at all suddenly uh, gets created and suddenly exists. Now this last point, the last section here, ki meolam not everybody has ki. Uh, the, um, the early Ashkenaz sidurim, if I remember correctly, do not say ki, besides for the, uh, I think it's the machsor vitri says ki. Yeah, the early Ashkenazi dream did not have ki, only the machsor vitri. Now the Yavit says something interesting. He says that the nusach of ki me olam kivinulach because forever, we uh, hope to you is erroneous. There should be a period right there. You say kilotamu chasadecha me olam for your chasadim your have never been uh, have never have never ceased. Kivinulach and we have hope to you. Why? Why does he say that there has to be a period there? He says, because you cannot say that as a matter of fact. It simply isn't true. Any Baal knows it's not true. We haven't forever placed our hope in Hashem. There were times in history where we didn't place our hope in Hashem and therefore the period is 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 after Meolam, not by Kivinulah. So if you open up a C door of the Yavits, you'll see a period Kimeolam, period Kivinulah. That's his way of understanding it. However, the Nusach of Kime Olam Kivinulach is itself very early. Um, some languages, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly, might be Ume Olam Kivinulach, which, in other words, the Faradim have what to rely on. Our language of Kime Olam Kivinulach is actually uh, very early. Now, the Rokeach brings a Remes. Uh, this is one of the earliest sources for it. Also, the, uh, I think the Beit Yosef brings this from the Abu Durahab. And I'm sorry, I'm blanking on it. I didn't write it down. But there's a rem as to who has to say a birkata gomel from there's the kol yodu ha There's a chet, the yud, the yud, and the men. If I remember, it's a chole, uh, yorde hayyam, chole shenetrape, hayam, holche um, is the men, and the yotze mi beta surim, the yud is also for the. For one, a person who leaves prison, any person from one of those four categories—categories categories of the Chet Yud Yud Mem, the Chole, Yotse Midbar, uh, yotze, uh, Hayam, um, the Midbarot, and the Yotzei Midbet hasurim, those four people are required to say a Brakata Gomel. Which is, a, I always thought that that that, that was a later misorah, but even the Rakeach brings this sram as a Kolah Hayim du And there, as I mentioned before says that this point here is crucial. The kol ha doesn't mean that just all living things are all things that have life. It also means that all things that will live, and this is a remez too, that in the future, um, all the things that will come to life will, uh, uh, what's the word, will give thanks to Baruch And he brings a remez there that the, that the Midrash also says that only a chai can give Thanks. Only a chai can praise the chayim. It appears that he's saying something Kabbalistic over there related to the shem ke'l chai, but I'm, I'm not 100% sure I didn't have time to actually find that midrash because, again, there's a lot and a lot of material here. Okay, so we say hatov shimcha So this is an interesting idea that we've, we've spoken about a couple of times before. Just give me a sec. Okay, so there's, a there's, I just want to reiterate it, even though we've said it a few times, there's a difference between the modes of praising Hashem that are Hallel, or shvach, and the modes of, of praising Hashem, which are hodaah, which are Thanksgiving. And it's prototyped here. There's a prototypical example here in the bracha of Modim. Why? Because we say, Hatov Shincha, how good is your name? Right there, we praise Hashem's name. Now when it comes to praise, we say "ulecha" to you. We use a direct article. na'el hodot is it is it is it appropriate to praise? And we begin the bracha also "modim with a direct article. However, when we 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 um, we praise Hashem, we say "mahaladim l'shem For example, "mahaladim l'shem We don't we don't say that we praise to you directly. We praise Hashem's name. So the reason for this is in, in, inherent in the actual the the root of the word halal and the root of the word hodaah. Uh, so the word halal is related to the word bihilo nero alai when it's a pasuk in when Hashem uh, shone his light upon me. Halel represents a shefa. When we experience a shefa, a, 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 le- a measure of or a measure, a measure of chesed from Hashem, a measure of energy or blessing from Hashem, which we can perceive, it's like a light has shined upon us, that's when we react. We react and we praise Hashem. That's the level of Hallel. We praise Hashem's name. In other words, we praise the shefa that Hashem sends to us that we can perceive because Hashem is not perceivable in his essence. In Hashem's essence, we have no relationship to that. But there's what Hashem is, and there's what Hashem does. What Hashem does, we can relate to. And so when it comes to relating to Hashem and praising him for the things we could perceive and for his actions, we praise his name, because his name represents how we relate to him. However, there are times when Hashem does things which we have no perception of. For example, vidoy, or confession, which is related to this word of Hoda'a when Hashem forgives our sins, when Hashem has rachmanut on us, when Hashem saves our life, when Hashem gives us life, there are things that that Hashem does for us that we that we literally have no reason, the complete midat harachamim, and we have no way to fully express, even though we are undeserving, of why Hashem did it. And when it comes to strict midat hadin, we have no reason to deserve our life. We have no reason to be forgiven for our sins. Therefore, hod, or hoda'ah, thanksgiving, represents a way that we speak to Hashem, to his essence, to the aspect of Hashem, which we completely don't understand. That's why we use the direct article. We say l'chat, directly to you, which is the level of of, uh, Atzmiut, of keter, of atzilut, these areas of understanding of, uh, of ha- these aspects of Hashem which we completely do not relate to. And therefore, the word hodaah is related to the word hed, which is a shadow. Because when it comes to a shadow, you could see that something is there, but you can't see the thing. The only reason you know that something is there when you see a shadow is due to privation. You can know, you can know that there's no light shining here because there must be something there. The same is true with when Hashem bestows upon us Midat rachamim, and sometimes even a Midat hachased that we have to thank Hashem and that thanking is an acknowledgement that there's something above us, there's something, uh, there's someone above us that relates to us in a way that we cannot understand. We cannot understand why Hashem gives us midah Tarachamim, we cannot understand why Hashem gives us life, and therefore that must come from the hidden aspect of Hashem, which we don't understand, and therefore we use the direct article, and that is, that is uh, exemplified here when we say, but directly to you. Okay. Now, regarding the nusach of this bracha. So, in general, we're here with the brachot in Shmona Esrei, we have noticed that the earlier versions are simpler. Some of them go back, uh, go very far back. Some of them have stayed very similar for, for a long time. Modim is one of those brachot, which is in a way, in a way similar to, if I had to, probably the most similar to Say in that although it had a lot of changes that were made to it, say, most of those uh, to to modim, many of those changes happened in the time of of the Tanaim. Uh, There's a Gemara in Mishnah and Brachot which speaks about two different changes that were that were made to modim which the Mishnah rejects in in Brachot. And it's clear that in the time of the Tanaim, we already know this to be a fact, the Chazanim were on a different level, and they were much more fluid with their ability to write the bracha and to, to, to extend it and to add different things and to minus different things. It's clear from the Mishnah that in the time of the Tanaim, people took a freedom to add things into modim, which we don't have today. So if you look in the Gemara Brachot, let me just... Uh, the Mishnah says, A person who tries to, to praise Hashem by saying that, look, Hashem has so much mercy on the younglings of a, of a bird that he requires us to do shiloh hakan," Or if a person says modim modin, he says modim twice, then we we quiet him. In other words, these are halachic aspects. Basically, you're not allowed to say, uh, on one hand, there's a theological point here that there are certain types of tefilot which address the wrong thing. They sound like they're a praise, but they're actually leading you in the wrong direction. That's Al The Gemara discusses that at length. I don't think we will have the time to look into that. Uh, it's basically telling you that uh, don't say that shiloh haken is necessarily a chesed. And then there's modim modim. The Gemara says that you can't say modim anacholach, modim anacholach, or to say modim modim, because that sounds like you're praising two deities, which is a Zoroastrian lean, uh, leaning. So, therefore, you don't say modim modim. The Tosafot over there says that, if I remember, let me just see here. Tosafot says, Omer the, the Tosafot actually says that that if a person adds it says Modim twice, if it's B'tzibur, if it's B'yachid, that's just Tachnunim. You're not allowed to do a B'tzibur, though, because that looks like a... Uh, if you do a B'tzibur, that looks like you're approaching two deities, which is uh, heresy, the Beit Yosef and the Tur and the Bach, they all deal with this Yerushami and whether or not they agree with it. But that's a matter of halacha, And, and uh, effectively, it's not really relevant today because everyone prays the Nusach, which we have today. So in the, in the time of the Geonim, uh, the Bracha Modim was did eventually reach a nucleus which everyone agreed on. It, it reached a form which had basic content which everyone agreed on. So if you look at the, for example, I'll begin with the, I brought with me here, the Seder of Amram. In the Seder of Amram, the Nusach is much shorter already. already. So this is already way after the time of Amor This is at the end of the, geoni- of the, not the end, but near the end of the geonic era. His version is, And now he has a little thing here, which was, existed in the time of the Gaonim and in the and in the Italian Usah and in the Romanian Usah, but it does it did not survive otherwise the time of the Gaonim. He has a sentence, Lohiklan Tanu Hashemokenu, don't allow us to be shamed Loz of Tanu and don't leave us uh stranded below his start menu and don't hide your face from us. The Alkulami Parakvit Romam Shimha Malkenu uh Olamba Ed ha Hakhaino Duha Selah so, for the most part, that's very similar, more similar to the, to the Ashkenaz version that most people, Ashkenazim, pray today, more so than the Sfaradi. The Sfaradi, over time, built up a few additions, like Vietnasei, HaKel HaTov, uh, that don't exist in the Seder of Amram, don't exist in the Abu Derham, but eventually they... Uh, accumulated based on different different minhagim here, minhagim there, they accumulated into the final form in the Sefaradi text today where we say tamid, we have hakel hatov, different little additions into modim. But so far the, the, the nusach of, of Ribi Amram Gaon is pretty similar. There's one element there of Sadiya Gaon adds that is what bears mention. Uh, one second here. Okay. This page you t- in the Seder of Sadiagaon, he says his is much shorter than Ram Ram Ga'on, but it's still recognizable it says <speaking in Hebrew> So the Seder of Sadia also the Egyptian nusach, was much shorter, but it's still recognizable. The only feature it has, which we don't have in any other nusach, is kiachidata tehab, where you are alone and there is none like you. But he's lacking a lot of the elements that you have in the Seder of Amram and in the modern, the, the more contemporary nusach, it seems that the Seder, the Seder of Sadia was probably an offshoot or a build up, a Babylonian buildup, of the original Yerushalmi Nusach. The original Yerushalmi Nusach, as far as we know, was much, much shorter. I just want to read to you the language of the original Yerushalmi Nusach, because it's actually fascinating. Uh, here we go. Modim It's one of the few Nusachs which actually put in the word ata. The reason for this is similar also to different Midrashim, which have a similar Nusach. And it says it's it's incredibly short. It a from and it says if we would think that our feet would stumble, Hashem's chesed supports us. that, uh, that he is he is the good who to him it is it is worthy to. To praise. So the, the version of the, the Yushami was the shortest, it was different, it was not accepted in, in uh, the rest of the Babylonian Jewry, and it seems that most likely the, the conciseness of our Gaon comes from, from, uh, from this school. Now, as I said, Surenu, also the words Ed, those are all editions. Hakel HaTov seems to be an early Saradi edition, ad- uh, which was uh, made most popular by the and The Mikbalim put it in, and that actually uh, solidified that edition and that Nusach. Okay. Um, so I put in here a note that, uh, in, in my notes here, a note. A, I could say the words because it does it's just a kind of note on the Kabbalah here the the uh the, I've always wondered that it says ha kilo rachamecha, then it says ha-merachem so I always thought that this was the 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 general style you know to, it was a stylistic poetic device to uh chiasmus basically it's called in, in poetry where you say that you know the merciful one who's who's uh uh, sorry, the the the, benef- the beneficent one who's, who for whose mercy never ends the merciful one whose beneficence never ends. It's a it's a chaotic structure. That's not what I always assumed, but I never understood why. First of all, it says chalu and then tamu, and if there is actually something deeper here, so in the sidur avetz he kind of hints to what is actually going on here. It seems that he says kilo rachamecha is this. These are different uh, Sephiratic ideas that. Hatov means the midat yesod which doesn't cease to receive from tiferet, and then hamaracheim means tiferet, which doesn't cease to receive chesed from the sefirot which are higher. That's the kabbalistic idea for the the the, the elevations here of hatov kilachalurachamecha. This is basically hatov and rachamecha. These are well known words for teferet and yesod. So that's that 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 I found that interesting. In general, the uh, the, the bracha is known as Hoch which is uh, the uh, say that it represents hod, which is in Bina. But what that means, I don't understand. They have their own kavanot for this bracha. So I'm just going to to close the part on Modim proper on a little bit of the halacha. So the gmaram Brachot we said that we said that it says that these are the Gimel Achronot. Also mentions that your person is not allowed to add his tzachav. Uh, it says that, let me just bring you the language. It says, So a person is not allowed to ask for personal petitions in the first brachot and in the final brachot. Now, if that's true, then why is it that we put little petitions here and there? For example, in Al we put, uh, let me think, Yalev Avo has petitions and I made we say, we say, So the Tosafot bring the Gaonim that they say that the, the Gemara does not mean for Tzorchei Tzibor. It only means for uh Yachid, that a Yachid is not allowed to put in his own petitions in the first three and in the last three. If you want to have a personal petition in Shmona Esrei, it has to be in the middle 12, and we discussed exactly the Halachot of that in the Shira on Shomea Now If a person is caught uh, not, let's say he's, um, let me think, if a person is at, holding at a different place in Tefillah and the tibor gets up to gets up to Modim the a person is supposed to bow along with them, because otherwise it looks like he's a, her- a heretic who doesn't really agree with what they're bowing to. And there is an exception, if like there's a Gentile passing you, maybe a then you don't, uh, you don't bow, but in general a person will always bow with its tzibor, and it's very important, by Modim de Rabbanan, to bow. Uh, this sentence here, uchtov l'chaim tovim kol b'nei this is a sentence which is said during Aseret Teshuvah by most minhagim. And we never really discussed these insertions too deeply, the ones like uh, z'chreinu Chaim and th- these, these different insertions, because I felt like it would be better for a discussion when we study slichot or, or all the different fillets of to there is an interesting history to it that this minhag began in the time of the geonim and there was a dispute among the geonim if people should even add these sentences at all Gaon objected to adding uh, objected to adding any of these insertions and one of his main proofs was it has nothing to do with the Bracha what like if you look at the the insertions that are put into Magen Abraham, the insertions that are put into the Kolha, the they have no context. There's no, uh, they're not Me'en Ha There's no Shaychut to the rest of the Bracha. When we say, they try to, they said Chaim Tobim, but in general, they have nothing to do with it. So, Gaon said we really shouldn't add any of these insertions. Nevertheless, by the time of the Rishonim, this became the dominant Minhag that on Aseretimeti Shubad, there were little sentences added here added there, in just to remind people of the aser that teshuva that came. The reason I bring this up is because there's an interesting uh, statement of Rav Sadia Gaon in one of his teshuvot that he answers that people shouldn't say these things but the version that he heard was over here in Modim was Ukvoshka secha. Apparently the, there were multiple minhagim of what to say here in the end of Modim. The, people didn't just say, <laughs> it seems that early in the time of the Goniim, there were different minhagim, and one of them was a different tefillah called Ukfosh <laughs> What the rest of it was, I don't know, but those were two of the words, and they've been apparently lost to history. Maybe, maybe in the future, if I manage to do more research, I'll find the full text of it, but for now, I just found that to be very interesting uh, curiosity. So, lastly, we'll close with the t- Topic of Modim derabanan, and luckily I forgot a gemara, or else we'll be here for a lot longer. Um, the the gemara in Sota Dafmem Amud Aleph brings the text of Modim derabanan, and basically the idea is that when the the gemara says that when the chazan gets up to Modim, everyone has to say Modim with him. So the gemara says that there were different customs, different Amorayim said different things, and the Gemara brings different languages. Uh, one Amorah said, uh, said one said Alokai Kol basar. one said Alshanach Lach, one said So the Gemara at the end brings or Papa, or Papa says, Hilkach uh, Nimnenu if I remember the, the language, or Papa says this a couple of times. He says, if this, that's the case, because these are all valid to Filots, we should say all of them. And therefore, what developed was the modern Modim de, Rabbanin, de Rabbanan, which is an amalgamation of all the, uh, all the different versions of or the different uh, minhagim that the Amaraim said. And this actually, this is not so well known, but that's the reason why it's called Modim de Rabbanan. It's not because it's a mitzvah de Rabbanan. it's because it's of the rabbis. There were various different rabbis that, that proposed that composed it together. Well, not they didn't get together, but it became a composition which developed from all the different uh, minhagim, and therefore it's called called Modim Dirabanan. Some suggest that it's called Modim Dirabanan to distinguish it from other tefilots, which were made by the Anshe Knesset Hagodola, while these were composed by the Amoraim. So, the I'm sorry. There's also Yerushalmi in brachot in. Uh, which has a similar account. It says that uh, one of the Maraim heard all, all the, the rabbis whispering. He wanted to know what they were whispering. And if you look over there in the Ushami, there were completely different versions of the Modim de Rabbanan. Really completely different versions. Uh, they had uh, much longer versions. I could just quote like, a little bit of here of it here because we don't really have time. But uh here we have An interesting feature of the Ushami is that in all, in many of these versions here, it ends with Barucha Ta Hashem Kela So in the Babli version, it doesn't end with with anything like that. It doesn't say baruch kelahodot or anything like that and the this minhag actually traces itself and comes from the ushami so let me just uh, gather myself give me a second so if i remember correctly the the rush says that he holds that you should say baruch Hashem at the end baruch Hashem ot. he, he like the ushami that, the, that we should say that we should close modim the rabbanan with baruch Hashem. Now, the, the, that was the, the minhag of the rash. The rashpah said, I never met anybody who did this. It's not the correct minhag. Better, you should just say baruch Kel Hahodaot. And if you look in the, the Shulchan Aruch, the Beit Yosef, the Torah, the Shulchan Aruch, Aruch himself holds a person should do like the rashpah, safik baruch hakel, you should say baruch Kel hodot. However, fascinating point, the Ramah himself in D'arkey Moshe holds that a person is supposed to say, Baruch Hashem, kelah Ashkenaz minhag, and the, and the Ramah says that this is our minhag. The Gra as well also holds that people should say, Baruch Atah Hashem, But if you look into any Ashkenaz Sidur, you're not going to find that. The Ashkenaz Sidurim do not have anything about... Uh, Saying Hashem, and why this is is not clear. The Mishnah Berurah notes that that's not actually the, the, the contemporary minhag. He doesn't know why, but nobody does the way the Amma said. Nobody does the way the Gras said. If you go to Eretz Yisrael and you go to a shul where they pray completely like the Vilna Gaon, then you're gonna you're gonna find a shul where they say berukhata Hashem at the end. But the predominant nusach among most Ashkenazim is not to end modim de rabanan with berukhata Hashem. So now. The Rashpa and the Rav, the the Ravads, they learned the Gemara in Brachot and to refer when it speaks about the importance of bowing. They learned that the Gemara is talking about bowing during Modim Dirabanan. So this is the accepted halacha that when we start Modim derabanan, we bow with the Chazan and we say these words. We also bow with him. So. They hold that one should bow at the at the at the end. They should do the beginning and at the end, based on that kumara with rabbat. So when you say Baruch modima you bow. When you get Baruch you should bow again. The the shulchan actually says that he believes that you should do like this. This is the you should do. Personally, I don't see too many people uh, doing this today. The mishnah Burah, the Ramah, they say perhaps you should uh, the minhag according to the yeshalmi the way they learned through Shami. There's different versions of it. But a person should bow the entire time he's doing Modim de Rabbanan. Now, that's, that's a minhag I haven't seen anybody do. If you go to an Ashkenaz shul, I generally don't see anybody bowing during the entire Modim de Rabbanan. Perhaps there are people who do, I just never noticed them. But that's the, uh, the, uh, the general halakha. I, I'm not sure why different minhagim picked up or didn't. Could be laziness. It could be, uh, you know, uh, my father didn't do it, so I didn't do it. It's not clear, but uh, the, in, the, the halacha, which the, the, the Maran recommends, is that a person should bow at the beginning of Modim uh, and also bow at the end. Although you don't have to, and he says that either minhag is actually fine. Okay, so one of the more interesting uh, we could get into Modim and and do an intense study compare it between the Babli and the Yerushalmi we could have done a shiur on this. I, I think it would have been it would have been valuable, but there, the, the general text of Modim de is, is, you know, very well known, and in, in itself, it's interesting to study it because of how it was amalgamated the, 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 and how it was compiled. The Beit Yosef actually does a little bit of analysis to, to try to figure out which words came first, which words were added after. You know, we begin with Elokei Kol Basar, the God of all flesh, Sanu Yosef, the former who formed all of creation. B'reishit is a word that doesn't just mean Genesis, it also means creation. Uh, should it be blessings and praise and thanks, and, and thanks given to your great name. That you have given us life and you have sustained us. So too you should continue to give us life and sustain us. Rashi has a Gersai here. Right, lechassot kavshecha to your to your uh, you should gather us back to your your holy sanctuaries or holy court holy courtyards. in orders that we can follow your your and to do your will and to serve you with all uh, our hearts. Al shanu modim baruch kel That which we praise to you, baruch kel So this little sentence, al shanu modim or in Nashkenazim, you have al shanach modim lach. This piques most people's attention. Al We're praising Hashem that we have the privilege of praising Him. So it's, it's, it's just an interesting expression that we're so privileged that we that we thank Hashem that we have the privilege of praising Him. So in a derech pshat, you could say that we're lucky that we're the Jewish people and we have the highest level of acknowledgement of Hashem. We experience hashkachah pratit. And therefore we are the most privileged and the most capable of of um praising Hashem and 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 doing the closest acknowledgement of that of, of him. That's shat. we praise Hashem that we're the Jewish people and we're the primary people who can praise him. The Beit Yosef actually gives three different theories himself as to where and how this al came into the into the words because it doesn't really flow so well. The first theory he gives is that it was actually composed as its own as its as its own uh, stanza. If you look in the Gemara over there in uh, I think it's in Sotah, Ya'dafmem. Let me just pull up the language for a, in a second. Uh, the language is Omer <sighs> According to the Beit Yosef, it is possible that if you look at also, if, uh, I'm sorry uh, in the, the Naharda, he says, He says it's possible that what it means is that just meaning originally the words came first. So, what it meant was that just as we praise you and we serve you, so too should you give us life and you should sustain us. So, in other words, what the Mechaber is saying is that really it doesn't make any sense. It shouldn't be at the end, it just ended up at the end. But originally what it meant was, it was in the beginning and the words Al-She'anach were in the beginning and it meant Al-She'anach kaimenu, Just as we praise you and we serve you, so too you should sustain us and give us life. That's the first chat that the Machaber says. The second one is he brings from the, the Aruch. And the Aruch, the Sefer Aruch, in the Shar Hodaah. he says that Anu, over here, means the Shliach Tzibor. It says Al-She'anach nu is the congregation speaking. They're saying that just as the shliach tzibur right now is praising you, al sh'anachnu paruch kelahodaot. Meaning, right now, as the shliach tzibur is praising you, to that we answer amen. So the anachnu is not literal. The anu is whatever you want to say. Anu, anachnu. That word is not literal. It means that we are praising you along with the shliach tzibur. And so just as the shliach tzibur just said, we are sumechan him. And we agree with him, and, on, and to his bracha, we say amen. Lastly, he brings the Erochot Chaim uh, from Rabbi Aaron Milunil. He says that he has a version which is completely different. He doesn't have Al She'anu Modim Lach. He has Ad anu Modim Lach, meaning while we are still alive and we can thank you, came Ad She'anach sh'an, Mo'odim Lach in as much and as far as we can thank you, we will thank you and baruch So that's the version of the Aruchot